generosity results in faith. And 2 Corinthians is all over the theme today. All over it. The generosity of God. The generosity of us believers. And I just want to highlight 2 Corinthians 9. Let's read from verse 10 to about 15. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. This is a repetitive in every way. This is the English standard version. And I like this one because it's very current. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You know, God inhabits our praise. He loves thankful, thanks or thankfulness. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. There we go again. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Why they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. This morning, I want to talk to us, as I said, on generosity results in faith. And of course, I've been introduced. My name is Rifa Lewin. Some call me Auntie Rifa. Some call me Mummy. Some call me Grandma. Some call me Sister Lewin. I wear many hats. My name is Rifa. I love my name. Generosity requires faith, not money. When we think of a generous person, they are usually friendly, helpful, and willing to see the good qualities in someone or something. They give up their time, their talents, their treasures, their resources. Being generous is the surest way to escape the consuming lifestyle of consumerism, where we buy and we buy more to feed an unhealthy desire, but can never be satisfied. Hello? Is she talking to herself or what? When we think of the ultimate giver of all good gifts, God Almighty is that giver of all good gifts. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. John 3 and verse 16. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. 
this gift of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we are recipient of mercies, new mercies. I love new things. I love everything new. When I think of new mercies, and I think of mercies that I get today, the mercy I got yesterday, I exhausted it. But just in case I had a little bit left, there is still new mercies. I love that. New mercies. The air we breathe. Life eternal. Life everlasting. Our health. Our strength. Without our health, what are we? You're not feeling good. Oh, I want to die. I feel like I'm going to die. Health, God gives to us generously. And, it is, and if that was not sufficient, he provided healing that we could be made well. He made doctors to study and retain the things that would help us to get well. He provides everything. He thought of everything that we could need. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I am so excited this morning when I think about being a joint heir of Christ. I am so excited this morning. But God, by his very nature, shows us by example what generosity should look like. The songwriter writes, I will never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. I will never know. I couldn't even pay the cost anyways. But there's no need to know the cost. Jesus paid the price. He paid it all as a ransom for our sins. The debt has already been paid and paid in full. Can you imagine? If that was our mortgages, can you imagine how happy we are? But our sin debt is greater than any mortgage that we could have owed. All because of his love for humanity. Another songwriter said, oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves us. He loves us with an everlasting love. Talk about generosity of all generosities. But let me tell you a little about someone I know who met this generous giver of God that changed and transformed my life and the life of my family. She had the gift of giving. She had the gift of generosity. I was fortunate to be raised in a home that I saw generosity firsthand. Generosity that resulted in faith in God. My father, though, died early, leaving this woman, my mother, to raise three children. My older brother was 12 at the time. My younger sister was eight, and I was 10 at the time when my father died. But my mother was a generous woman. She took on the task as if there was just one. And fast forward to a couple of years later, I got my first full-time job. By now you might have realized that I love to work because I had a, two jobs prior to the, my 18th birthday. And I got my first full-time job 
before my 18th birthday. And my mother opened an account for me, but she didn't have a bank account of her own. She did not have any money of her own, but she would spend money like she had money. I didn't know that we were poor, but my mother used my money and spent on me as if it were her money. She gave it all, all anybody who needed it. I didn't even know sometimes until I saw my dresses going up the street. She was a pastor of a small church in Old Harbor Bay, three miles from the area that we live. We lived in Old Harbor and she pastored in Old Harbor Bay, three miles away. My father pastored before his death in Old Harbor Church, Church of God of Prophecy. The congregation consists of mainly poor folk, fishermen and women. Old Harbor Bay is a fishing village. There were homemakers, just regular Christian people, but they're what you would call in one word, nice. Nice people, village people. And you know, it takes a village to raise a child. So I was part of, that of the children who were raised in a village. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good, but for the most part, it was good. My mother was not only their pastor of it, at that church I'm talking about, but their, their friend and confidant. There were men and women who were getting saved in the church, but they were living in what we call today common law. They were living outside of wedlock. Amy, Mother Lewin, as she was affectionately called, would buy the ring to ensure that she would cement them for the, for, the, for, the, for the season. They wanted to get saved. Oh, a ring is your problem? Okay, I know where I can get some money to buy this ring. And so she would buy the ring because that was the reason they gave why they were not married. So, okay, I will finance that ring. She could sew and she, could, she would buy material to make the wedding dress saw the dress and they were all fitted out, ready to go, ready to serve God. She would give away my dress, as I said before, and not the old dresses, by the way, my new dresses. Because of that, I learned to wear everything I got when I grew much older and understood because she was just waiting. If you buy it, keep it in a bag. Because if it's hung up, you don't need it. Because she knew somebody else who may need it more than you do. When I would ask her, one day I had this gorgeous dress that I thought was just over the top. And I love this dress. And when I look, I see one of her congregants up the street, going up the street, passing me in my dress. And so we were raised with manners. I could not even look hard. I just said, no, sir, that's my dress because I know they didn't have this. I got this dress from a certain person that I would buy from. And I know that, that I know that dress. I go home, I rush home. I said, mama, who I saw sister so-and-so wearing my dress. Oh boy. She laughed, she laughed, she laughed, she laughed, she laughed for five minutes straight. She said, you don't want it, man. You don't serve God, man. Let me give the people them who serve God, no man. You will get the blessing. 
And you know what? I did get the blessing. My brother's suits, my brother's dress, dress shirts and his pants were no exemption. She made school uniform for boys and girls at any level. Primary school, going into high school, just name the need, my mother would supply. But this job I'm telling you about that I got before my 18th birthday, I was paid a monthly salary. You know, in Jamaica, when you work with government, you get paid monthly. And so I would buy groceries to last us for the month. But that never happened. My mother gave them away. She was also a very good cook. And she would cook. And to top it all, we had to carry the food to whomever she chose to give. So we had to, I had to learn to run. Maybe that's why I did track. Because I had to learn to run. So I could run to get the food because the food smells so good, you had to be in a rush to get back. She was a teacher and she taught Bible college in Tomlinson College in Cleveland, Tennessee, here in the United States of America. She was generous and selfless, seeking no recognition, giving with no expectation because she knew that God would be glorified. Many souls were saved through her generous acts of kindness. Best thing of all, the spirit moved. My mother was a gifted woman of faith who prayed. She always had her hands up in the air like this. Every chance she got, she had her hands in the air like this, asking God to use her any which way he saw fit. fit. Faith brings all the benefits of salvation into our lives. Ephesians 2 and verse 8 to 10 in the East English Standard Version says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. We as children had to exhibit love. We had more aunts and uncles that we didn't even know what all the, the, the generation went. We thought we were long, long, it took me to find out that we really weren't uncle this and uncle that, weren't really blood relatives. But everybody was an aunt something. Everybody was an uncle something. We were taught to show patience, manners, and respect towards all we met, lived, or came into contact with. No one though can live generously without faith. Faith is the root. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 and verse six. This kind of faith requires the grace to love each other. So generosity was a lifestyle. Generous individuals are personally more fulfilled, happier, and kind people. They are kind to others. And so growing up, generosity in our churches and community was a beauty to behold. Outreach groups, 
met in homes for prayer meetings and every night service was a revival service. The Holy Ghost was palpable. They didn't call say Holy Spirit then. It was Holy Ghost. And so we knew that it was not anything but from God because it was holy. People were more loving, seeking to find areas to serve and share ideas, desiring to please God. True generosity requires sacrificial giving with joyful submission to the Lord. Generosity with their time, their talent, their treasure, their resources. Nothing was too small to bring to the table. Do you remember harvest time? Am I dating myself? Do you remember harvest? Harvest time, people would come together with whatever they have, laid it on the table. It would be sold to raise funds to pay for whatever needs were presented. Everybody con contributed one way or another. Nothing was too small to bring. True love for God was on full display, I said. When we truly love God, we want to partner with him in building up his kingdom, spreading the gospel to everyone we meet. The scripture refers to in Proverbs 19 and verse 17, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. Generosity, unspeakable. One's faith must be strong though in believing that God, the good father will provide for you. Generosity results in faith. I have a challenge for us this morning. And it's from a quotation from Alan Cohen. It says, put aside ambition for public recognition and simply do what you do because it is the noble thing to do. God honors generosity. And the text that I read from this morning in 2 Corinthians, or you read from in 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 to 15, contains Paul's explanation of benefits and opportunities tied to generous giving. When Paul wrote this letter, he was encouraging the Corinthians to do the right thing. He wanted them to complete the collection for the Judean church, but his concern went a lot deeper. He wanted to see their hearts changed at the deepest levels. He didn't just want them to give. He wanted their hearts to change as they gave. The key point is that generosity is a Christ-like act of grace. God did not intend giving to be done out of an obligation or under compulsion to show or receive favor. Rather, it should be inspired and driven by a willing and a cheerful heart. Deuteronomy 15 and verse 10, this English standard version says, you must give to him freely and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work 
and in all you undertake. Verse 7 and 8 of 2 Corinthians 9, Paul reminds us that God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace, all grace abound, abounding to you. Are you a generous giver? Or are you wise in your giving? What if I told you that Jesus encourages a generosity that others may say, that's foolish. And that God is motivating you with a promise of a reward. It is true. God doesn't want you to give out of fear or guilt. Can you look yourself in the mirror and say, God is, is pleased with the use of my time, my talents, and my resources? Can you say that honestly? God is pleased with me? God wants you to give charitably out of faith. In Malachi 3 and verse 10, the King James Version says, Test me, the Lord Jehovah. See if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you will not have room enough. The word that stood out to me was that he would open the windows of heaven and pour you out. That means you and I pour you out a blessing that you and I will not have room enough to receive it. God wants to use someone today to carry a message of hope. But you are worried about the cost to you. How can I do this? But a little advice. You cannot give back to God that which costs you nothing. Doing God's work requires generosity. It requ requires generosity results in faith. One cost is a personal consecration that is needed Psalms 19 and verse 14, David prayed, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The second cost takes diligent preparation. How long does preparation take? I'll repeat, how long? does pre preparation take? Well, I'll tell you something, as long as it takes. Diligent preparation. Ask the Holy Spirit to help and guide you. The third cost is believing through prayer. Prayer for clarity, passion, humility, freedom, and boldness. This is a cost but beneficial to all of us. But when I think about living in the spirit of generosity and faithfulness, I think of the life of Abraham, the most faithful man in my estimation who walked this earth. He always gave of his time and wealth whenever he was showing hospitality, even to strangers. Genesis 18 verses 1 to 8 
with Hebrews 13 and verse 2 in the King James Version supporting it, says, do not neglect to show hospitality, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Abraham seems ready to entertain anytime. He was just sitting at his, the tent door of his, of his, we call it house. Let's call it his house. He was just sitting at the tent door. In the heat of the day, no air condition. He was just sitting there. He saw three men coming. He summoned Sarah, his wife, and his servants to get the entertainment party going on. He was a hospitable entertainer. Also foregoing his own comfort, Abraham gave his nephew Lot first choice in selecting the land. We know the story, Lot selected the best land. And in Genesis 13 and verse 2 to 18, verse 8 says, let's have no more quarrel. We are family, Abraham said to Lot, his nephew. Let's get along. Your herdsmen with my herdsmen. Let us all get along. He wanted to live in fellowship with strangers. Also, getting along with his family. An exemplary life. We know this Bible story very well. Abraham said to Lot, if you take the left, I will take the right. I will take the right, you take the left. Faith in God. He knew he would be blessed, whatever decision he made. But in his generosity, he gave him first choice. You and I, would, I wouldn't do that. I don't know about you. I would be looking out for I, me, and myself. But generosity leave those two behind. Generosity is only necessary to come alongside with other people, not to include the me and myself. Abraham lived and expressed generosity in faith as a lifestyle. This is all about the posture and condition of his heart. If you delight and have confidence in the kingdom of God, you will not doubt. Be generous with all that God has entrusted to you and bless you with. Financial struggles, however, does not free us from God's command to give generously and joyfully. The Lord calls us to generosity, not because he needs our resources, our time, or our talents, but he desires the best for us and wants to partner with us. Generosity pushes us further into believing and trusting in the love of God, no matter what. Our love for God should propel us. Generosity results in faith. But if you are not able to trust God to provide for you, you will lead towards hoarding. Let's be intentional. Let's be resolute. Remind yourself, I will continue to choose to trust rather to, than to fear. Here's a quotation from Another quotation from Alan Cohen. Money is but one venue for generosity. Kindness is even more valuable currency. When Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, 
in Matthew 5 to 7, referred to as the Beatitudes. He blessed the meek. He said, blessed are the poor in heart. Blessed are they, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed if you are merciful. Blessed are the pure in hearts, as I said. Blessed are the peacemakers. For the, those are persecuted. Those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Insults will come. People will falsely say evil against you for Christ's sake. But rejoice. Be glad. Be reminded of your heavenly reward. Be generous and look up in faith when the going gets tough. Remember the golden rule. Love your enemies. We are called to be salt and light. Light dispels darkness. Pray and fast for and with one another. Let prayer and fasting and remaining in God's presence be a way of life. Let us be that church, continually fasting and praying. Others are watching our every move. Think of the legacy we want to leave behind. Where do you think pastor learned about fasting and praying? We all know my life story. When I went back to school as a little girl, when I had her, my mother took her to fasting every Wednesday. And it was not her who made the decision that we fasted on Wednesday, but God Almighty in his heavenly humor decided that we fast on Wednesdays this in NLH for the past two months. My poor daughter didn't have anything to do with it, but it was already in her DNA. Fasting and prayer. The scripture said, do not be anxious about what we will eat or wear or about anything for that matter. Listen to this. Listen to this. Fear not is mentioned 365 times in the Bible. So there's a fear not for every day that we wake up. Fear not today, the 22nd. Fear not today, the 23rd. Being fearful is contrary to generosity resulting in faith. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 18 encourages us to give thanks in all circumstances. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. This is how we appeal to the generosity of God, giving thanks to him. Look at the goodness of God towards this created world. Spend time building up God's kingdom. Sow into the kingdom of God. Teach if you teach. Guide if you guide on your missions field, near or far. We can do this through many, many mediums. Back in the day, they didn't have this. They walked for every reason. We have WhatsApp. We have FaceTime. We can FaceTime a friend or family member. We have work where we go to work. Let our coworkers hear Christ-likeness coming from our conversations. Practice reducing your own fears and prayerfully Evaluate how you spend your time. Is your conversations edifying? Have you encouraged someone who lost their first love for Jesus anytime lately? Generosity results in faith, in believing that what God says he would do, he will do. 
Philippians 4 and verse 7. Let the peace of God which surpasses, transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Generosity in faith believes that miracles will happen when we pray for the sick. It's not just lip service, it happens, miracle happens. Rekindle that fire we once had when we first received Jesus into our hearts. Put into practice the new training we have received through spiritual disciplines, soul care. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show us how to develop our spiritual gifts and talents. We need them for kingdom building. Giving. Giving is an opportunity for believers to participate with God in meeting the needs of the poor and the less fortunate. Generously spend some time in service to others. I love to sing and I can't hold a note long for any reason, even if you paid me. But I will call and I hear somebody's down. I have a song ready. Read and explain the scripture for someone who cannot do it for themselves. Give back. A crown awaits you. Sharpen and work on your skills you are not comfortable using. Think of doing things that will bring honor and glory to his great name. Spend time planning and strategizing. Ask yourself, how can I do more? Give more of my time or my, of my service. How can I give more of my time? How can I give more of my service? Generosity results in faith when our daily life is interrupted so that our spiritual life can deepen and strengthen. I'll read that a bit again for emphasis. Generosity results in faith when our daily life is interrupted so that our spiritual life can deepen and strengthen. Your spirit will be lifted as you lift up others. Real generosity towards the future lies in giving to the present. That's a quote from Albert Camus, C-A-M-U-S. Real generosity towards the future lies in giving to the present. And do ask the Holy Spirit for the obedience it takes to carry out his will in faith. This increases the desire of the givers to give more as you tune in to the Holy Spirit's call. Increasing is righteousness here on earth, as well as cause, causing thankfulness to God to overflow. God is glorified by those who receive of our time and our talents. Continue to pray for those who give willingly to the call. Invite the unsaved. Ask your family and friends to partner with us in sponsoring for some of the needs we have identified for this mission trip to Kenya. I have a question. Is it better to give than to receive? I'll give you a moment to think about it. Is it better to give than to receive? I say yes. Why? because it says so in scripture. 
There are five Bible verses I found that support this statement. If you would like to jot it down and encourage each other, I'll give you a chance to get a piece of paper and a pencil. Acts 20 and verse 35, Luke 6 and verse 38, Malachi 3 and verse 10, Hebrews 13 and verse 15 and 16, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7. Those are some basic truths about generosity. We call them abundance mentality. But living with a scarcity mentality will block our generosity, thus blocking faith in God and its generosity towards us. But I'm mindful that we all have reasons why we are not generous. Here are a few common barriers to generosity. Pride, greed, debt, stinginess, and busyness. Pride, as we know, reaches into the deepest and most unsuspecting place of one's life. Pride stands in the way of us fully surrendering to Christ. Pride keeps us from reaching up and from reaching out to be charitable. Without surrendering to God, we cannot tap into Christ's power to live generously for the benefit of others. Mark 10 and verse 27 reminds us, all things are possible. Give and leave the rest to the greatest giver of all times. The second barrier is greed. Whether we admit it or not, we always want more and seem not to be able to get enough. But with this lack of contentment, we are more inclined to take than to give. God doesn't want to send blessings to us only. He wants to send blessings through us to others. Generosity is blocked when there's a kink of greed, selfishness, or fear in our hearts. I used my hose yesterday to water my front lawn. And I pulled the hose out and I started to, 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 to squirt the water, nothing coming. I said, but I sure turned the water on. I'm getting old, but I don't think I, I'm that forgetful not to turn on the water. When I looked behind me, there was a kink in the hose. Bless, blessings cannot flow if we have a kink. The third barrier is debt. Financial debt has a way of choking out generosity because we have the tendency to overspend on ourselves, leaving us in lots of debt. We are never satisfied. We want more and more and we put ourselves in debt. Stinginess. The scripture in Proverbs 11 verse 24 and 25 tells us that one gives freely let, let yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and the one who waters will himself be watered. You cannot outgive God. 
The fourth barrier is busyness. Sometimes we keep ourselves busy to relieve boredom. That's what we tell ourselves. But busyness can cause us to miss opportunities to be sensitive towards the needs of others. Example, I'm too busy to go on that mission trip where God could use you mightily. Talking to someone, we have to do this, we have to do that. You just might be right in time for the saving of a soul. Do not change yourself with your unused talent. But do you have the faith to give? When it comes down to it, practicing generosity requires faith. Generosity might be the best way to gauge how strong your faith is. Do I believe in God enough to make the sacrifice? Do I believe in God enough to give away that last $20? Because if I believe that what I have belongs to God anyway, he will multiply it, give it back, press down, shaken together, running over in Luke 6 and verse 38. Generosity is giving back to God a portion of what he has given to us. Do you have the faith to give back in building up his kingdom here on earth? Our generous God doesn't want to motivate you through guilt or fear. He's inviting you to put your faith in him. He promises that whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6. I believe that generosity is a gift. To this day, I am still amazed how the fruit trees around my childhood home responded generously to the generous occupant. We had a lot of food, fruits in particular. Ding, ding. Fruits on our little property in Whole Harbor. The soursop seemed to me that they were the biggest I've ever seen in my life. We had four different type of mango trees. We had guava, we had lime, we had aki, we had breadfruit, we had sweet sap, we had red coat plum, we had sugar cane, we had engine cane, we had callaloo. Guess who planted them? Mother Lewin. My mother only wanted to give away the best of what she had. And she would give away yours too, if you leave it around for too long. Don't let her get her hand on it, but she's gone. She's looking down at us, they say, but I know that woman was a generous, generous giver. Looking back, I am grateful and unapologetic to have been a part of that experience. I understand the benefits and I'm encouraging my family and friends to be more generous in sowing into God's kingdom. Would you join me in doing the same? because I am holy, 1 Peter 1 and verse 16, and the new command in John 13 and verse 34, love one another as generously as I love you. In closing, 
I'd like to speak to us about this word, altruism. A-L-T-R-U-I-S-M. Altruism. Altruism is a selfless concern for the well-being of others. Altruism, altruism is also said Results. The buck, the buck stops and starts with you. Start a chain reaction. Amen. Start a chain reaction in your family and Thank you. Amen. We want to for, the, for humanity. Holy Spirit, penetrate the hearts of your people on Mixelar on, on this Zoom platform today. I'm, in, I'm inviting someone to allow us at New Life Horizon Church to walk with you in this step of faith, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Asking him to forgive you of your sins and come into your heart and life. Say to the Lord, I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. You say that. I want to trust and follow you, Lord, as my Lord and Savior of my life. Romans 10 and verse 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Call us at 469-333-0397. I'm mindful that there are others of us who started the journey but may have gone cold. You may have been disappointed, disillusioned, and heartbroken. Things are not going the way you had planned it. This is an invitation to fix your eyes on Jesus. Look in his wonderful face. Rekindle that first love. Ruth, Laverne, Tashina, Brianna, Karen, Anne, Tamar, Winsome, Ronette, Pastor Ava, Trudy, Cheryl. Be encouraged as you listen to the sound of my voice today. The Lord, let's tell him that we love him. Lord, we love you. You are sufficient for today. Lord, you are all that we need. At this time, I will say a quick word of prayer over those who have accepted the Lord as their personal savior, those who have grown cold, 
those of, the, of us who are holding on and the spirit of God is strengthening us. Father, we thank you for your word. That your word gives us the generosity in faith that we believe in you. Holy Spirit, come and be with us today. Father, we thank you that you have accepted our praise and our worship to you. Father, we give you honor. We give you thanks. We bless and adore your name today, God. We tell you thanks in the mighty name of Jesus. Bless you all. Have a wonderful day. Sister